Hey, welcome back to another edition of Big City Catholic. I'm Deacon Kevin McCormick, and I have the privilege of being here on the Diocesan Podcast with Bishop Brennan. It's uh, it's great to be back, Bishop. It's it's wonderful. I love what you and Father Chris are doing. I'm glad I can come off the bench every so often and uh, be part of it, as is uh, we usually do. Let's uh, begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, we have such difficult, crazy, wonderful lives that you put us in. And sometimes the work we do keeps us from the quiet we need. Please give us the ability to hold on what's truly important in our lives and let go of everything else. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. So welcome, Bishop. It's, it, welcome to your podcast. <laughs> it's great to be with you. Uh, but it's 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 really kind of, I, I love being able to spend time with you, especially in these podcasts. I had such a guest on the last one, and uh, I'm glad you invited me back. I appreciate you coming back, and um, I always enjoy talking to you, whether it be on a podcast or working together or even just hanging out. But, you know, I especially appreciate you being here today because I know this is a difficult week for you and for your family, but still a hope-filled week. Earlier this week, you lost your mom after her struggles with help. She went home to the Lord. Betty McCormick, we're sure now, is in the arms of God. And so I offer to you and join with all of those who are listening and offering our condolences and our sympathies, but really sharing with you that sense of confidence and hope. You know, we spent, thank you, first of all, thank you. And thank you to everybody who's been very kind to me. I really, from from Bay Ridge to Montauk, people have been very, very kind and, and reached out to my family. My family's very much involved in the church. I have a nephew who's a seminarian. My brother is a trustee. And uh, my other brother's very active in his parish in many ways. So the church is very much a part of who we are. And this is where the rubber meets the road. As a deacon, I'm at at wakes every week. I journey with people as they say goodbye to their parents, and more difficultly when they say goodbye to younger ones. My mom was 85 years old, and the the last two years have been very, very difficult. And the last two months were really kind of signs of purgatory, the the pain and the suffering that were there. So it it was a relief to her. You know, she said, I just can't do this anymore. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't have the energy. And, you know, it took her a few days to let go. And they, you know, they did the palliative care and she died peacefully without pain. But we really do believe that, and I don't know how you do it without it. We believe she's with my dad. You know, she's with her parents. She's with her brothers and sisters. And she's still a part of our life. Right. And when I end a wake service, I always say, I, I'm going to give you homework. Pray for the person. We'll talk about prayer a little bit more in a minute. But pray with them. Life is changed, not ended. That's an essential part of the Eucharistic prayer at the, resurrect, at the Mass of the Resurrection. And life has changed, not ended. I said, if, if I was another domination, I would jump up and down. And, 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 and I said, but as Catholics, we tend to be subdued in that. But the message is so real. And then the third thing is tell the stories. And so that's what today and tomorrow will yeah. be about. Today is the wake. Tomorrow is the funeral mass. And we'll be telling stories. But the beauty is none of us have all of my mom's stories. So my brothers have their unique thing. And we need everybody to come together to get that picture. Only the Lord and my mom know all the stories. Isn't that one of the graces of these days? This day that we're recording later on, you'll join with your family for the wake. I found when I've been with family for wakes, you know you know a person. But suddenly you start to see that person through other people's eyes and Pieces of puzzles just start to come together, mm-hmm. and you see a totality of a person, which is a great blessing. You see her from her whole time. So was, yeah. obviously, I didn't know her as a little girl, but I knew her as a mom. And she had three boys, and we were kind of, you know, we were three boys in, in the 60s and 70s. So she could be kind of rough. When my children think of Nana, they say, oh, she's so sweet. She's wonderful. I'm saying, she was tough. <laughs> <laughs> you know? We had wooden spoons and flippers and slippers flying you know, around. But then you hear the things she did with friends and her nieces and her nephews. So, so it's a very special time. And it's also a time 
to kind of renew prayer. It's a time for us. I've spent a lot of time with the rosary. What a gift I had to be with the the pastors and yourself yesterday to have a holy hour, just to yeah. sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament. I played. I, I said a rosary. I you know brought everybody to prayer. But again, you know, one of my a, a prayer I use all the time is you know help us hold on to what's important, let go of everything else because we are so busy. Those yeah. prayer things begin to let us kind of just. Take that breath and kind of put things in focus. What am I going to get upset about? Is it worth it? Most times it's not. And so prayer is an essential tool. If I could be a utilitarian on this, prayer is an essential tool to stay focused. It really is. Now, talking, I want to go back to you. I'm going to be a little personal and throw you a curveball. So we're talking about the seasons of life. Um, these past months have been difficult, but... There's also a sign of new life in your family, is yes. there not? Yes. So that's very kind of you, by the way. That's very, very kind of you. So, you know, it's it's the best of times. It's the worst of times. So the, the last two years have been very difficult with my mom. But at the same time, about, I guess, 10 weeks ago now, Jackson James Dempsey came into the world. And he's my great, he's my grandson. He's my mom's great-grandson. She got to hold him, too, which is kind of a, a nice connection. The, the kid's a goofy little kid. He's, he's 10 months, 10 weeks old. He can't do anything. But he smiles. And he, he reminds us of the fullness of life. You know, so it's like, again, the prayer. Hold on to what's important and let go of everything else. So the McCormick family, the Dempsey family, we've had the ability to, to see the end and the beginning at the same time. Yeah. And again, that's where the, uh, the the symphony of life and the grace abounds is is the balance of it all. So, uh, you know, we, we have this little kid that's nothing but promise, nothing but promise. And my mom, who fought the good fight, and now it's time to rest from her, her race. And it's it's amazing. Um, I'm not known for being like a lover of little kids. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, 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 but like I'll come home and I have three daughters and a son and the two sis, the two aunts, if you will, they fight over the kid. But when I come in and if he's calm... I go, give him to me. And we play for a little bit. And I, you know, I play for like a half hour. And then he starts to grimace. And I say, okay, now it's time to go back. But he renews us. And he reminds us that our time here is very, very limited. You know, like I, I'd be very happy if I could guarantee 20 years more. I, who knows? I mean, it could be a day more. It could be 30, 40 years more. But it's limited. But to see that God continually renews. And he does it with Jackson. And he does it with my mom. And Everything in between. So it's an emotional roller coaster, but it's very, I, 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 I know I, I should be far more professional and I am a man of letters, but it's cool. It's just, the ride is wonderful. It's just a, it's just a cool ride. You could probably find someone who say it much more poetically, but it's a cool ride. I think you said it very, very well for, for all of us. It really is. And this Sunday, as we come up to the weekend, we're going to be focusing in on prayer, both with Jesus' teaching in the parable, but I really love that image in the first reading of Moses. Right, right. Holding his arms up. He, holding <laughs> yeah, his arms you, up. you can't see this, but the two of uh, Bishop and I both have our arms <laughs> up in the air. You know? But what a great thing. And how important was it? He couldn't do it himself. That's right. So they needed nature to sit him down, his lieutenants to hold him up. Oh, they, they, literally holding his hands, uh, the arms, underneath the arms to keep his hands up in mm -hmm. the air. And they, you know, they were fighting a battle. And the thing is, we're always engaged in spiritual battles and just the battle for life. I mean, sometimes it feels like every day can be a battle, sure. right? Just getting through all the things we have to get through in the limited time that's in front of us. 
I also love the obnoxious judge. I'm not giving him different adjectives than usual. But his great line, so you probably all remember it. Uh, It's in Luke's gospel. Again, Luke is just so rich. But you have a a judge who fears not God and respects not man. So And he lays it out. There's no no subtlety to him. It's right there. But there's a widow who badgers him, who continues to badger him and to uh, reach out to him. And he finally says, I don't care about her. I care about my own peace. Give her what she wants. And that image oftentimes becomes this idea, and we'll see it in, in, in social media, let's storm heaven. Heaven will get no peace until we hear the answer we want. And while I, I, I love the image of that, I think they have prayer kind of backwards. Indeed. Prayer eventually changes us. We don't change God, but it really connects us to desire what God desires for us. So prayer... It's a surrender. It's a turning over to the Lord. So yeah, he's not an unjust judge who cares <laughs> not for man. But if that's how it is with somebody who is unjust, imagine the God who loves us and cares about us. Mm-hmm. It's not that we have to badger him, but he's waiting for us. He's saying, come on, <laughs> bring it on. Yeah. I almost think, you know, taking from uh, the hound of heaven, we're the judge. God is the widow who proceeds to badger and to pull at our heels and to constantly call to us. And that whether we go by desire or by relief or by just giving in, we're the ones who capitulate to the nagging of our God. I love that image. And again, it goes so well with Luke, who constantly is twisting the image. It seems so easy at first. I said this last time we were together. Luke gives you a story, you go, oh, I get it. And then you sit with him and you're like, oh, wow. It's 180 degrees different. It is, exactly. And, you know, even the prayer of the Our Father, Jesus teaches us to pray. If you think about it, that's a pretty scary prayer. If you really mean what you say, you're saying, you know, not my will, but thy will be done. It's turning to the Lord, saying, I'm giving you everything I've got. I'm giving you everything I'm worried about. But, boy, I'd rather live in your world than in mine. Mm -hmm. I think of last Sunday's gospel with the lepers, both in the first reading and the second reading, Bishop Barron. Most preachers sneak into him first. We get a little something from him, and then we move on to our own thing. He pointed out that we all have a leprosy. We all have something that holds us back, that keeps it at a distance, like the lepers had to be with Jesus. And when we come to terms with what that is, the the thorn in the side for St. Paul— then we can start to work with it. But we have to name it and say, look, Lord, I, I'm holding on to this sin or this obsession or this this addiction or, or this, this anger. It's wound, this grudge, yeah. This grudge, yeah. And when we can give that to the Lord, that's that's when the conversion happens. That's when we break down and say, you win. That's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, you don't mind my going back, then even to what we were talking about with your mom making her way to heaven— the wake service, you know, this begins, or the intercessions begin. The ties that knit us together throughout our lives do not unravel with death. And mm-hmm. so one of the things we as Catholics really hang on to is that promise of the communion of saints. We say it every time we say the creed, I believe, in the communion of saints, that those bonds that knit us together, the love that knit us together continues. So like Moses has those lieutenants underneath holding his arms up, we have each other here on earth, and we have the saints, we have our loved ones. You have your mom now in heaven. Talk about storming heaven. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, And we have the sacraments. The Mass is such a... Even for those who don't get to Mass every week, those who find their way there twice a year or or go only with when there's special family things, 
there's still a solace in that ritual, in that ceremony. Like we share at God's table, you know, in the best of time, in the worst of time, and, and everything in between. And so tomorrow, the Mass is really, to me, it's the pinnacle of the ritual. It's sort of a mini triduin, uh, triduin yeah. if you will. You know, so today is sort of like the, the Holy Saturday of the waiting, the preparing, the, the wondering, the second guessing. But tomorrow is the sign of the victory, that right. we, we come in faith and we know that bread and wine is transformed and becomes the very presence of our God. And that is in the same way my mom's life or anybody's life. You know, it, she lived her life, but every moment of it was a reflection of the grace that she saw in such a special way, even even when she was throwing the slipper or the wooden spoon. <laughs> exactly. You know, when you talk about the wake, I always think of that scene. I always wonder, what was it like that Easter Sunday morning or an afternoon before Jesus appeared to his apostles? There they were. They were in that upper room. The door was locked, so they were still afraid. And I'm, I'm thinking, it's not unlike the wake service where they were gathered together. They gathered in prayer, but... I can't help but wonder, were they reminiscing? Were they thinking about like, wow, remember when he fed that crowd? and Or remember what he said to the woman who, who begged that her daughter be healed, you know? Or I bet... They must have laughed a little bit, too. I think there'll be a little laughing in, in, in uh, Limbrook today. I promise you, that's all sacramental. <laughs> but, you know, man, remember that time that he called Peter out on the water and Peter thought he was so mighty and he's walking on the water and then all of a sudden he looks down and falls in. They had a good chuckle, but they're remembering Jesus. Yeah. And in those memories, they remain connected to him. And then he appears to them. Yeah. He comes before them and says, peace Shalom, be peace you, be yeah. with you. Peace be with you. And, and that is the, uh, you know, people, I hate wakes, they'll say that. They have a purpose. It's an acknowledgement of the end and a promise of the beginning. Right, exactly. And, you know, I know my family will get on each other's nerves. I'm sure Simon and Matthew fought a little bit, you know, from their old times. <laughs> um, but there will be the laughter. Believe it or not, I'm not the funny one in my family. My middle brother is. And uh, that'll be Bobby's job. Bobby's job will be to make sure things don't get too solemn and he'll bring us back with a story or a joke, and we'll burst out laughing. And at the same time, we pray that the tears will never drown out the joy and the gratitude. Beautiful. You know, this week, speaking of the communion of saints, we have a new saint on the books, you might say. I'm sure he's been in heaven a long time already. Just takes us time to realize. (laughs) Exactly. But um, on Sunday, uh, we had the canonization of Giovanni Battista. Scalabrini, the founder of the Scalabrini Fathers. Now, the Scalabrini Fathers are present here in New York, in New York City, and here in Brooklyn, uh, St. Joseph Patron, in uh, that Bushwick Ridgewood Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. section, and do wonderful, wonderful work. It it happened to be one of the first parishes I visited, St. Joseph Patron, because, as you know, I came in the very end of November, and we had the closing of the year of St. Joseph a week later. Right, right, right. So I was there for the closing of the year of St. Joseph. But that was my first real face-to-face meeting with Scalabrini Fathers. I've heard of them and all of that. But their founder was canonized this week. And he, like Mother Cabrini, came from Italy, obviously. Was, you know, Mother Cabrini did her work here. He was a bishop in Italy, in Piacenza. But he founded this community to serve the immigrants here in the United States. A sort of a missionary movement to, to care for the immigrants, the Italian immigrants, living here, particularly in New York and Brooklyn. And so we're still blessed with the presence of the Scalabrini Fathers. The parish in Bushwick at St. Joseph Patron has a whole Scalabrini Center where they do all kinds of work for immigrants. 
But you know what? You know, we still have a very strong Italian community here in Brooklyn. Uh, boy, oh boy. And, Whole metropolitan and, area. And thank God we do. Yeah. The way my appetite loves the presence of the <laughs> Italian heritage here and that's in Brooklyn. That's two Irish boys from the Bronx. They understand. But you're right. And, and the gift that, that through the bishop's vision and his the people who followed him, Italian-Americans, as we celebrate on Columbus Day, their contribution to the church is immeasurable. And it's exactly. a great gift. And many, many great priests and bishops and lay people who've come together and built our church, there's much thanks to be there. But they've been replaced. Right. There were new immigrant communities. And many. That's the beauty of Brooklyn. You know, very often when you hear, and I say this with great love, but when you hear about, you know, an, an immigrant population, you say, okay, yeah, you know, Hispanics. And like I said, great love. But boy, look around Brooklyn. The Hispanics are only a part of the picture. Right. We have immigrants from all around the world, from all continents of the world. It's a beautiful mix. And one of the inspiring things when we had the priest conference was seeing the priests. The priests come from all around the world. But just seeing all of our priests sitting together at tables in the refectory in the seminary in Huntington, um, each table was like a little United Nation. Mm-hmm. So like it wasn't that we were all in little pockets but really coming together. And I see that in so many of our parishes here. It's not like you have Irish parishes, Italian parishes, Spanish-speaking parishes, Chinese parishes. But, you know, we have a heavy Chinese population. You also have a strong Hispanic population. Sure, and, in Brooklyn, right? I right. Mean, you have exactly. Sunset like Park. Sunset Park. Um, Regina Pacha, founded by the Italian community, mm-hmm. has a large Chinese population and Hispanic population, among others. St. Michael's in Flushing, all the different languages. So, Which may be the most difficult place to travel in the world. If you ever tra- <laughs> I've gone there three times since I've been the superintendent, and every time I go, it's an adventure. Look, traffic's one thing. I get it. Like coming to the Co-Cathedral, you get it. There's going to be traffic, but it's a, pretty much a straight line. St. Michael's is this like labyrinth in the midst of a puddle. It's, I, whenever I get there, I just kiss the ground. Like remember John Paul, I'm seeing John Paul yes. II, as he gets out of the plane, he kissed the ground. When I go to St. Michael's, I kiss the ground. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just a great story. It's part of our heritage. It's who we are. And we celebrate it. We proclaim it. But we think of saints like St. Giovanni Battista Scalabrini and Mother Cabrini. Her feast is in February. And the great effect right here in this New York area, the profound effect that these saints had in the building of the church that you and I inherited. Mm -hmm. But now, too, we realize we pick up the baton and we do our part. You know, last time you and I were together, we spoke about the refugees who are approaching our parishes in great numbers. It's partly the immigrant community that's saying, we've been there, we're ready to help. We're going to, you know, provide the needs. But you were with me Yesterday, when you mentioned the holy hour with the pastors, but we had the meeting, and some of the pastors told the story of the reality in their own parish. In each place, it's a little bit different because it's based on the shelters that are there. But wasn't it just so moving to see the pastors reaching out to one another saying, okay, what what do you need? How can I help? Yeah. Well, you have you know, your pastors. I mean, there are guys, but you know, they represent you out there. They represent the Lord in a sacramental and a, in a personal presence. But they're superheroes, yeah. and they're human. See, the thing is, like, it's easy for me to beat on a pair, say, oh, you know, Father so-and-so wouldn't let me do X, or he didn't take my call, or he didn't return. And look, all those guilty as charged, they're men, they're frail, who live a real life. Yeah. But the, the challenges that they have, the things that are expected of them, 
and I've always been, but even now more, is a constant theme when you speak in this apostolic age, in this need. Nobody gets a free pass anymore. You know, when we were kids, the church we were in had a free pass. You were the church. You could do anything, literally anything. And now we're in a place where now we have to we have to fight to get people's attention. We have to fight to 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 remind people why we're here. And these guys are doing it, you know? And, and as I said to them yesterday, they're on the front lines. You know, I come and visit, and um, I'm thrilled to be part of the life of the parishes. But I'm sitting in office, and I have like a coordination role, try to see people together. But they're right there on the front lines, meeting people in their need, and pulling together with their parish teams to do what has to be done. You know, there's, so there's the, the meeting the needs of the immigrants. But actually, even apart from that, just people who've been here a long time, are find, people who were making it are finding it hard these days. Sure. Yeah. They, they find it hard keeping up with with the cost of living and all of that. So pastors are priests. Um, and But when I say pastors and priests, because that's where my connection is, but really the parish teams, because they there's a whole parish team, a whole school team. Right. And right. everybody kind of steps up and steps up to the plate and responds um, uh, with the, the heart of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm very proud of my brother deacons. I'm proud of our principals and our teachers, uh, the sisters and the brothers that are still here. Their numbers have diminished, but their enthusiasm and their ability to do work has not. And that's, see, that's the beauty of the church is it's every, like St. John, it's everybody. It's the vine, the branches, and St. Paul, it's the body. We all have different responsibilities, but we work as one body of yeah. Christ. And, you know, thank you. You mentioned the deacons. As you know, the roots of the deacons are are being in the community and being attentive to know what the needs are, to be attentive to pick up where the needs are, you know, like the Greek-speaking widows and the mm-hmm. uh, Hebrew-speaking widows in the Acts of the Apostles, but to bring that to the church and to, and to respond in service. And again, I see that here. That's such a powerful tool. And really in our diaconate, because we have deacons, again, from all yeah, over yeah. the world. Yep, yep. And they're in the communities, and they're hearing. They see the need, and they're hearing the needs, and bringing that and responding with heroic service. So you're right. It's the, and the religious. We have so many religious communities here. Um, and usually they're older. They have moxie, you know what I mean? They don't. They, they, they could be. We know sisters in their eighties that are doing the work that people in their twenties would find exhausting. Right. So it's amazing. So so thank God for those people who who are on the front lines and are working. And you know, again, Saint Giovanni Battista Scalabrini, Saint Mother Francis Xavier Cabrini, pray for us mm-hmm. and help us in our work. Help us to be attentive and to respond with the heart of Christ. Thank God for Catholic charities. I mean, the work that they do, we just, you know, if we want to give shout outs, the parishes are wonderful, the schools are wonderful, but Catholic Charities, they're working with it all. And that's, uh, I, I worked for Catholic Charities for about 14 months, a million years ago, before I, I finally committed to education. And I saw the work that they do. And I was working out in Suffolk, and, and I saw the the, uh, the migrant workers and the people we worked with there. And in Nassau County and Suffolk County, there's such a, and it's true in Brooklyn and Queens as well. You know, you can go to one neighborhood where the, you know people are making you know a quarter of a million dollars, and that's that's the low end of the neighborhood. And then you go like five blocks later, or or two miles over the other side, and there are people who are barely living on their basic salary. So that mixture of everybody. And the ability for us to reach out—we're not perfect. Like we make a lot of mistakes, and, and there's a lot of things we, we drop the ball on. But we don't—we don't stop trying. You know, we're constantly out there. We're taking swings. We're doing the best we can. 
Right. And so we didn't get to talk much about baseball. Uh, Sorry, I didn't want to bring it no, I figured I'm, my mom's death was enough suffering. I, I <laughs> well, so for a Met fan, but the Yankees continue, at least as of the time of this taping. Um, so we'll enjoy the October season as it is. In the meantime, we do commend your mom, Betty McCormick, to the hands of God. Let's return to the Lord with tremendous thanksgiving for all the people who touch our lives. Lord, we thank you for those who love us, who in their own ways show us your face. We thank you, Lord, for all the opportunities you give us in this life and ask that you keep us attentive to, to see those opportunities and to see your presence with us. Guide us on our journeys and help us by the living of our lives to proclaim you in all things, to encourage and with with patience and love through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Your blessing? We kind of look forward to that. Okay. Thank you so much for being with us today. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our podcast has ended. Let us go in peace. (laughs) 